It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Loving. I'm going to build you a house right here. Our house. I want to take Mildred up to DC to get married. Are you sure about that? By the power vested in me by the District of Columbia, I now pronounce you husband and wife. person and Mildred Jeter being a colored person did unlawfully cohabitate as man and wife. Richard? I believe this is a battle that could go all the way to the Supreme Court. We ain't hurt anybody. The state of Virginia will argue that it is unfair to bring children of mixed race into the world. Tell that woman to come over here. I won't raise my family here. I don't care what they do to us. Get I can take care of you. I know that. I can take care of you. I know we have some enemies, but we have some friends too. Okay, everybody, so that there was the trailer for Loving. It is the second Jeff Nichols film which has come out this year, the other being Midnight Special, which I I quite enjoyed. Let's see uh, what we have to say about this one. Joining me for this review today, I've got Michael Schwartz. How are you, Michael? Great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm really good. I've had a very jam-packed movie weekend. I... I actually fit into my schedule uh, the chance to see Bleed for this and Tom Ford's latest Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, I'll be seeing uh, Nocturnal Animals next week, which I'm very excited to see. Yeah, if we can get Will to see that, I I would really like to talk about that on the show. Um, That film is right up my alley. I I like dark, twisted uh, dramas, and that's what this was. And it was so... It was like, it was exotic, it was sexy, it was hypnotic, and did I mention it was dark? It is dark. <laughs> yeah. I heard somebody describe it out of Toronto as, as if Sam Peckinpah directed a Dior commercial. That is a pretty good comparison right there, I have to say. <laughs> so, I'll have to see if it lives up to that. Uh, I don't know if you call it, call it a recommendation, but that uh, comparison... I mean, I definitely do recommend it. I think a lot of people are going to be turned off by the film within the first couple of minutes, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I've heard there's something about an opening credit sequence that I should prepare myself for. Yes, just be very, very, very prepared for your eyes to see anything and everything. It's um, 
let me put it this way. At a certain point, I had to look away from the screen, but what I got enjoyment out of was watching what everybody else was doing in the theater because I was sitting in the last row. So I saw all the back of everybody's heads like squirming, looking down, putting their hands on their forehead. Oh my God, it was it was, it was was beautiful. I loved it. Huh. So anyway, enough about Nocturnal Animals. We are here today to review, uh, like I said before, uh, Loving. This film premiered this year at the Cannes Film Festival and the story goes... Interracial couple Richard and Mildred Loving fell in love and were married in 1958. They grew up in Central Point, a small town in Virginia that was more integrated in surrounding areas in the American South. Yet it was the state of Virginia where they were making their home and starting a family that first jailed and then banished them. Richard and Mildred relocated with their children to the inner city of Washington, D.C., but the family ultimately tries to find a way back to Virginia. The film is starring Joel Egerton, Ruth Nega, Nick Kroll, Michael Shannon, and Martin Kasakis. It is written and directed by Jeff Nichols, who I am a very, very huge fan of. I love all of his work. Let's see what we have to say, though, for his latest film, Loving. Michael, I toss it off to you first. What did you think? Okay, well, just like you, I'm also a big Jeff Nichols fan. I enjoyed Midnight Special earlier this year, along with films like Take Shelter and Mud. Which I'm surprised by, because you're not typically the sci-fi kind of person, so you really did like Midnight Special? I didn't look at Midnight Special so much as a piece of sci-fi as I did like an allegory for something else. Sure. And it wasn't like big budget sci-fi, it was more of a restrained type of film Mm -hmm. about uh, the journey with his father and his son. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I did too. So uh, he plays with different tones and goes into different genres. And this, I think we could agree, is his uh, most straightforward movie. Agreed. And uh, going into it, like I knew the story of the Lovings, and I uh, admired them very much over the years, just knowing how they sort of changed the face of the Constitution. I liked Jeff Nichols a lot. But just knowing the story, it didn't seem on paper like it would be something that would be able to fill a whole two hours. You know, it's like they get married and stuff happens and they live a life, you know? Yeah. It seems like almost a little thin to fill a movie. To a certain degree. But I got to say, yeah. But I, so I was still looking forward to seeing it, no doubt. Just not, maybe not on the level that I was an, another maybe more exciting sounding movie this year. Anyway, so I go to see it last night and I was blown away by the simplicity of this movie. I think it really does so much in these quiet moments between Joel Edgerton and Ruth Nega, both of whom are superb here, especially Nega, who does a whole lot just with her glances and it's everything going on within her, not so much what she's saying. That by the end of the movie, you see the love that this couple has for each other and how they made such an impact even when they didn't try to. These are two people who just like wanted to build a house together and just remain a couple, and they ended up as like, not civil rights activists, but people who were at the face of the civil rights movement, that by the end of the film, when you see their life and all that their marriage meant, I just sat there thinking, wow, this is, might be one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen, because it captures this love in such a way that it recognizes the importance of it, but also shows us how ordinary it is. I'm with you on this. I hear you. And I'm a little bit lower on the film overall for the exact reasons I think that you love it. And it's because my biggest qualm with this film is when you go for restraint, right? And you are giving a restrained performance, restrained direction, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, I'd like to compare this to a couple of films that I think do it a little bit better than Loving. So one example I'll give is Spotlight, where that film has restrained direction. However, it does have some gripping performances and really brisk and engaging writing to help balance it out. Yeah, it takes you through a process. Yeah, another film that I can make another comparison to here um, in terms of the performance aspect, um, Joel Egerton, uh, I'll compare him a bit to Heath Ledger in Brokeback Mountain, that that tough, reserved, grumble, you know, trying to, uh, he's, he's giving off this masculinity about him, but yet there's so much more going on beneath the surface, and that is what makes the performance so fascinating. However, I think that, Heath Ledger's performance is more rich. And so as I was watching this film, there isn't a whole lot of subtext. Uh, There isn't a whole lot to decipher with this. It is so straightforward and simple, as you said. And while that may be the allure of the film to others, for me, I was always kind of waiting for something. Like, I was waiting for a moment where Joel Egerton's character, Richard Loving, would maybe have an outburst and then it would make the whole audience go, whoa, because it's such a restrained performance. Yeah, it's none of that. He just plays it very simple, very straight, because that's just sort of the type of person Richard was from what I read. Exactly. And I and I understand that Jeff Nichols is paying homage and respect to the people. And I've listened to a couple of Q&As where, you know, he didn't try to make the story anything that it was not, essentially. He he doesn't try to Hollywood it up or dramatize it up, go for that melodrama. He just presents the story as it happened. And that's respectful. It's also a beautiful film, too. Don't get me wrong. This is a very, very beautiful film because it does showcase a love between two people that is so pure and so true. That's also very relevant. It's not just interracial marriage this film uh, casts a net over. It's also same-sex marriage and just has a lot of resonance today when you see all the stuff that goes on. Oh, yeah. No, it's not just interracial marriage. You're completely, completely right on this. And I think that this is a very timely film as well. According to Nichols, he didn't mean for it to be as such. I think that, uh, if I recall correctly... Uh, when gay marriage was uh, passed, uh, I believe, what was it? It was last year. Yeah, June of 2015. Yep, they were just in the middle of production. So this had not actually happened during his writing process. So, I mean, you know, the film itself, it's it's timely in its release, especially with everything else that's going on right now where a lot of people are feeling very anxious and very scared in the wake of this year's election. So... I think that the film does have a lot to say to many people out there, and it's going to resonate greatly. Just as a film goer and as a viewer, though, for me, I was a little, I was a little left, I was left a little cold, not by the, the power of their love, but just by the essence of the filmmaking, I suppose. Because, like I said, it, where other films have have an aspect where. Um, it's more engaging, whether it be the writing, the acting, or the direction. This film is just reserved on all three fronts here. Okay, yeah, I get that. And I've definitely heard a lot of people say that after seeing this. I guess it's just a matter of how much you're willing to tolerate the quietness of it. I, I hear you on that. Um, I'll And I'll be very uh, 
upfront with you on this too. I haven't said this to many people because to be quite fair and honest, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but I don't think that this film is going to get any Oscar nominations. I'll just come right out and say it right now. You think it's a total shutout? I do. And I think it will be one of the films that if it is completely shut out, we do like look back and we go, how could this have happened? Uh, You know what I mean? And people are definitely upset by it, but I just don't think that there is enough there to push it over the edge to make it um, resonate in people's minds as quote unquote memorable. At least not with enough people as far as a general consensus is concerned. I think it's right on the border for best picture. If it does miss, I think it's going to be like ranked maybe 12 or 13, like right outside of that 10. Mm -hmm. But in terms of nominations that it does receive, uh, at the moment, I think Ruth Nega makes it in. Even in the very competitive best actress category, there's a lot going on there. Uh Uh-huh. But maybe this is just me being astonished by her performance. Mm-hmm. But I don't see how you ignore that. I mean, I understand the accent skill is very on point here. Yeah, we should note that these are two foreign actors doing uh, American accents seamlessly. Yes. I mean, Joel Egerton, Australian, Ruth Nega, Scottish. And you're right. They're right on the money here as far as their accents are concerned. Um, keeping it with the performances for a minute, what did you think of Nick Kroll? Did you find that to be uh, good casting? Was he distracting for you? No, not at all. I think the character actually adds a little bit of levity to the film, and he gets to a little bit of his shtick. Not, I mean, not necessarily the shtick that he's known for, mm-hmm. but he gets to add a little bit of a comedic presence here and there, which was definitely welcome in a film that's just telling a story. Mm-hmm. And uh, that guy, Bernie Cohen, is still living. Yes, he is. Lawyer. So uh, I like seeing him. I didn't think it was really stunt casting in any way. It was just an interesting addition. What did you think? Um, I thought he was fine. I did. I did think that he brought levity to the proceedings, as you said. I didn't find it distracting. I just didn't find him remarkable, just as I didn't find many aspects of this film to be remarkable, except for the story itself. Um like Michael Shannon, I, I I love that Jeff Nichols finds a way to work Michael Shannon into all of his films, by the way. I absolutely love that about his filmography so far, and I hope that he can continue to keep doing that. That would be fantastic. Yeah, it's just a cameo here. He has, what, two or three scenes, maybe? Yeah, that's really all. I mean, he does snap the all-important photograph that gets uh, shown in, what was it? Was it U.S. Uh, Weekly Time? No, it was Life Magazine. Life Magazine, that's right. And I thought that was really cool uh, that that part uh, played a nice little piece in the film, especially when you see the real-life photograph at the end and you really do get the essence um, of what that relationship must have been like for them. And it's amazing. It's like one of those moments where a, a photograph just says so much Uh, with no words, obviously, you know, and it it really does speak to you on a pure level as a human being um, to showcase what true love really is. It's it's also ironic that the film is titled Loving um, because it was their last name, (laughs) you know what I mean? And that's what this film is all about. Yeah, I mean, that's like, you wouldn't believe it if it weren't true. Oh, no, no, not at all. I would think it was so cliched, and I would think it's like, come on, really? You know, but it's it's really what happened, and yeah. Jeff Nichols is paying tribute to that. Going back to the pictures for a few minutes, mm-hmm. you were saying how they capture this life and just the essence of what it means to be this married couple. Just, you know, they're sitting at the dinner table or watching the Andy Griffith show together. Sure. And I think those pictures 
the meaning behind them is also what the movie's about. It's just a snapshot of these people. Yeah, it is. It is. So if that works for you, by all means, uh, that's great. And if it's a little slow, that's totally understandable. It's not that it's a matter of this is a well-made movie or not. It's just a matter of if you're able to uh, stay with it for that long. Let me put it this way. I don't think that this film was necessarily slow because Jeff Nichols is such a good director that he always does keep me engaged, but... I found myself towards the end of the film starting to feel the slowness more because I was starting to get anxious uh, waiting for some sort of, like I said, big dramatic moment to happen. And there are a couple of moments in the film where things do, I guess, quote unquote, happen. Something happens to one of their kids in one scene. Uh, Ruth Negga gets a phone call, and that's probably, I, I would suppose that's probably her Oscar scene. What do you think? Uh, that could very well be a clip if she's nominated. Yeah, and what I'm just getting at here is that these moments, uh, there's another moment where Joel Egerton gets like really worried, and he's, it's like a false alarm moment, and the tension's like really ratcheted up. Yeah, oh my god, my heart almost stopped at that scene. Oh yeah, that was that was good. It's just that these moments are so few far in between, and it doesn't really... It doesn't really help push the film forward for me in terms of just love it territory. I don't I don't love this film. I admire you this don't film. Love loving. I don't love loving. I like I like loving. I like it. Okay. So I'll tell you what I do love. I'll tell you what I do love though. I really, really dug um the score by David Wingo. Yeah, he's good. I don't know if it stands out to me so much, but I It fits the movie well, but speaking of him, I really liked his work earlier this year in Midnight Special. Loved it. It almost reminded me of the spotlight from last year. Hmm. Yeah, with the the piano melody? Yeah. Yeah, he goes for a more traditional, like, classical score here, which I thought was very moving at points, and really, really helped the film's overall mood. Um, As far as other aspects of the film's technical merits go, I don't really know if those merits really stand out quote-unquote from production design to costume no it's very period very of the era but not in a flashy way and, and that that just fuels into what we've well at least what i've been saying and yeah, to a certain extent you that this film is not trying to go there right um well like, like if you were to make a comparison i know i made a couple of comparisons before are, are there any other uh restrained films that you could think of that you would draw comparisons to with this movie any other restrained movies? Hmm. I mean, I mean, I can't think of one off the top of my head right now, but I know there's definitely a lot out there that, I mean, look, our audience knows this. It's about the tolerance level again. You know what you're going to be able to handle. Mm-hmm. And slow pacing isn't for everyone. If it fits a story, that's all well and good. But if it doesn't, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, I really do love this movie, as I said in my lead-in. But if it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot for me to say about it, it's because that's just the nature of the film. It's more of just watching what goes on than really dissecting it afterwards. It almost feels like, to me, like this film works better as a documentary because of how straightforward it is than it does as a, as a theatrical film. I, I think there was a documentary a few years ago. Oh, yeah, no, no, I understand that. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot of people... Uh, say that it's that it's great and that they really recommend it even more so over the film and without even seeing it I would almost be inclined to agree just because I don't know if on a purely cinematic level if this film really offers 
much that you wouldn't already get from a documentary. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, all right, enough rambling from me here. Um, Let's pass it off to you here, Michael. What are your final thoughts on the film? A great out of 10. And if there are any other Oscar prospects that you want to discuss. Like I said, this is a film that you get most of what it's giving to you from just watching it rather than talking about what it all means afterwards. In terms of Oscars, like I said, probably just Best Picture and a Best Actress. Best Picture, again, is a right on the border. We'll see if it makes it in. Uh, adapted or... Is it original or adapted? From what screenplay? I understand now, it was originally original, but now it is adapted. Okay, well, whichever screenplay category it goes into, it stands at maybe a good shot there. Mm-hmm. But uh, for a grade... I'm really going to go high on this one because I found myself so moved by it at the end. I'm going, you ready for this, Matt? I'm ready. Nine and a half. Jesus Christ. Really? Yes. It's like top five for me right now. Okay. That's fine. We'll see how that changes when I see the rest of the films this year. Yeah. But I found myself so moved by their story at the end that it just really resonated with me. You realize, like, it's funny because we just have different scales. You know, if I was giving something like a 9.5 out of 10 and I'm thinking about, like, all the films in all of film history, a movie like All the President's Men gets like a 9.5 out of 10 for me, you know, or... Yeah, well, I'm just willing to give stuff a 10 if I find myself taken with it. Like, I don't save them for special... or. I shouldn't say that. I do save them for special occasions, mm-hmm. but it's not like I'll give them out like once every 20 years. Oh, no, 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 not at all. To me, like a, a 10 out of 10 movie comes maybe once if you're lucky twice a year. Um, because to me, the way I see it is that a, a film that gets a 10 out of 10 is, you, you know, you're, you're on Godfather level. You're on Citizen Kane level at that point. So that's how I tend to do my grades out of 10. And, you know, that's how I kind of rank it throughout the site. I mean, somebody like yelled at me the other day for giving Manchester by the sea an eight out of 10, you know, because the film has like a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. And everybody thinks it's like the second coming and it's so perfect, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, like I gave Moonlight a nine out of 10 and people were like, why, why can't you give these films 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. And I'm like, because you got to understand the comparisons that I'm making to other films I've given 10 out of 10 to before in the past. Like, getting an 8 out of 10 from me is really, really good. Like, you're you're one of the best films yeah. of the year if you're getting an 8 out of 10 from me. A 9 it's out of 10... It's just a matter of how we do it. It's, uh... Yeah. Look, it's about the content, not the rating. And for you, this is what in your top 5. A 9.5 out of 10 makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Moonlight, not that it's a competition or anything, mm-hmm. but if I'm looking at both of the films, I think I like Loving a little bit more. Oof. Those are fighting words. Really? And these are both great films. It's not like we're ranking them in any like locked order by any means. Well, when we do our top 10 uh, in a couple of weeks' time, uh, this will be a very, very interesting conversation to have for sure. Yeah, unless I see so many films over the next month that stuff just gets booted out. You never know. Oh, my gosh. I know because I'm I'm saying to myself I really want to do like a top 30 list this year because there's so many films that I want to mention and I feel like they deserve to be mentioned. But they just keep getting booted out as I see more and more movies. So, it, it, yeah, it becomes tough along this time of year for sure. Yeah, so nine and a half. That's what I'm sticking to right now. Sounds good to me. Uh, as far as myself goes, I would give this a seven out of ten, which is, you know, it, like I said. Yeah, respectable. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's not one of my favorite movies I've seen this year, but I admire it and I like it 
enough that it's not it's definitely not a terrible movie by any means it's not a bad movie this is a very solid film there's just nothing in it that's completely memorable to me to help push it into a higher rating is all so i go with a seven out of ten because it's in that like respectable average territory but like a little bit higher than average which is what i would give normally like a a six two um five obviously you're right down the middle so yeah a seven out of ten just seems right for me based upon my thoughts of the film uh, I do think that it does get a little slow towards the end, especially if you're like anxiously waiting, like I said, for a big dramatic moment to happen, which when there is when 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 those moments do come, they're not big. They are dramatic, but they're just not big. And they don't make like an indelible impression on you. And as a result, you're kind of left. I, let me put it. Let, you know what? Let me put it like this. At the end of the film, there's text, right? There's text that appears on the screen. And there some is very shocking texts, or I'm sorry, some very shocking text also. Yes, and one of those, uh, one of one of those had such a profound impact on me and really hit me hard. It was a gut punch moment, and it was the only time in the film where I felt like I had been punched in the gut. So take that for what it is, and you know, I, I guess only because I didn't know that that's how a certain character's um, fate ended up to be, essentially. So. It definitely hit me on an emotional level, but it happens all the way at the end. So, I don't know. Regardless of which, this is a very beautiful film. This is a very tender film. It's a very soft film. And it's a film that is very important, I think. And I think it is a film that people should definitely see because I think it's very, very helpful to be reminded right now, especially in the times that we're living in, of the purity of true love. So, And it's a very hopeful movie. Yes, very much so. Going on what you said about the ending when the text comes up, Mm-hmm. I would have added this in my final thoughts, but I'll say it now. The way in which the film concludes, that might be a contender for a shot of the year. I agree. That is a very, very great shot. <laughs> I definitely agree with that so, completely. We'll let people see it for what it is, but just keep that in mind. All righty. Uh, as far as Oscar prospects go, I do think this could crack Best Picture. Joel Egerton is definitely going to be in the talks for Best Actor as the season wears on. I don't think he will actually get it, though. Yeah, neither do I, although he's excellent. Y- yes, absolutely. And, and in many ways, I think he maybe has a more complex performance than Nega. I'm not sure. It's tough to say, actually, because they're both so restrained and they both convey so much with so little. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like the film does focus a lot on him and his turmoil a little bit more at times. So I- I'm not 100% sure. Uh, to be honest with you, I think both of them end up missing uh, come Oscar time. I really do. I think Ruth Nega has a better shot. And I think she's like a six or a seven. I think she's like right on the fringe of cracking a five right now. Who do you think comes in over her, Amy Adams? I do think Amy Adams because I don't see how a film like Arrival, which I do think it's going to run the gauntlet in terms of nominations, I don't see how that film gets in and you don't put her in with it. I just don't see it happening. I could see the film missing out for Villeneuve, which I said on our previous podcast before, but I just don't see how you give Arrival all these nominations and don't bring Amy Adams for the ride. It's like almost like Sandra Bullock and Gravity. We'll see you in a few months, I guess. We will. Oh, and by the way, as far as the screenplay goes with Loving, I did double check. It's original screenplay. So it has to contend with Manchester by the Sea. It has to contend with Moonlight. Yeah, that's a pretty competitive category. Unless they pull a whiplash and they go to, uh, 
what did they do with Whiplash? They said that the short film that they used to fundraise was so they put it they put it in adapted screenplay as a result in the end. Yeah, so maybe this could happen where they use the documentary as the basis. I don't know. And to put it in adapted, it's still going back and forth. Let's just put it this way now. Adapted or original, I think it has a better chance of getting into adapted screenplay. If it's contending for original, I really don't think that it gets it, other than they maybe just want to give Jeff Nichols his first Oscar nomination. It's definitely not going to win. Well, that's good by me, Oscar nominee Jeff Nichols. I'm very okay with it, too. I'll take it. But I think a lot of people are talking this film up to be an Oscar player, and in some respects it is, but I really, really don't think it will be. Uh, because I do think that that restraint is going to make people shrug and go, okay, good, not great. Like, you, you were talking before about Best Picture. How many people do you really think are going to mark this as their number one film on their ballots when you have all these other films that seem to have so much more passionate support behind them, like Moonlight, like Manchester by the Sea? The traditional crowd will. Yeah, you think so? I think it could be right up there. I'm not going to make any calls and say that it's definitely going to be a number one, Mm -hmm. but I definitely see a situation where they do put it that way. I don't know. We got to see how it performs at the Guild Awards, especially Golden Globe, SAG, Critics' Choice. Uh, If it performs well there, I'll start to consider it a little bit more. But for now, I'm going to leave those uh, prospects where they lie at the moment. I don't see this film getting in any below-the-line categories. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, this is simply going to be, on its best day in my opinion... Picture, actress, screenplay. That's it. So. All right. We'll see. We will see. All righty. Before we go, Michael, do you have anything else you want to say? Go see it. Just know what you're going to be in for. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Where can they find you on Twitter, Michael? You can find me at Mike Movie. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast here. As always, please feel free to drop us a comment, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, drop us a review on iTunes, whatever you can to help support us. We really, really appreciate it. And be sure to check out our other episodes where we review Arrival, Moonlight, we have an interview with Nicholas Bertel. We also had a great interview with Kevin O'Connell from Hacksaw Ridge that Will conducted that I really, really just urge you guys to check out, especially if you're into learning more about the technical side um, of making movies. These are really, really fantastic listens. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. This has been the Next Best Picture Podcast, and we will see you all next time. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.